On this edition of Across College Lacrosse, yes, I'm back after a prolonged absence. And what better time to come back than with conference tournament weekend? Games Thursday, a few Friday, some regular season games Saturday, but it's all postseason from here on out. What do teams need to do? Who is in right now? Who is out? And we'll preview the semifinals for seven of the tournaments going on on Thursday, and we hope to have something every day up until Selection Sunday. This is another edition of Across College Lacrosse. Hey, hey! Did you miss me? Probably not. But if you did, that's great. Welcome to another edition of Across College Lacrosse. It's been a while. Uh, I've been busy with a lot of stuff. Uh, ACC tournament, being on the road, schoolwork, and exams. By the way, I have one later today at 3, and I'm deciding to not study and instead do a podcast because why not? Gotta make that money. I am your host, Chris Jastrzemski. And what better time to come on than with conference tournament weekend folks we have made it we have certainly made it to the postseason we made it to may and it is hot as hell i mean right now in syracuse it's uh 73 degrees yesterday was 80s and monday was a low of 35 so literally if you're in syracuse goes from winter to summer in a span of maybe a day, and you could go back to winter anytime it wants. So enjoy the weather. My hope is this is the last time we hear of winter until December. And if not, then that just sucks for all of us. Anyways, we have a boatload of stuff to talk about. We will screw away with the regular season games that happened when I was away. And we'll focus more on the conference tournament games this weekend. Now, we've already had two conference tournaments this week. Well, maybe one. We had the Patriot League. And then the blatant RPI booster, also known as the ACC tournament. Notre Dame won that one. Doesn't get an automatic bid, but more than likely will be in the NCAA tournament. Loyola will get the automatic bid. So they are the officially the first team in the NCAA tournament with their Patriot League win over Lehigh. But there are seven more to be given out between Saturday and Sunday, seven on Saturday and one on Sunday being the Ivy League, the Asians. And we'll go through all of them and we'll begin because there's one literally coming up. I'm recording this at like 1045. This whole thing gets started at noon on ESPN+. Plus. Most of them are going to be at uh, four, five, six, seven-ish later tonight afternoon. So if you're coming home from work, you will probably more than miss just the MAC tournament. NEC will just get finished up. Big Ten will get started. Uh, America East will just get started. Big East get started. CEA at 5 o'clock. So put on whatever you want on your TV because there's no TV game. Actually, screw that. Put on CBS Sports Network on your TV. If you're a Sixers fan like me, maybe get the Sixers game on the TV. Get two laptops or have your one laptop on one channel whatever and have the other have like three or four, whatever. This will be a fun Thursday night in college lacrosse. 
And once, whenever I get done my exam at three, it will be all across in Sixers. So, anyways, let's let's start with the bracketology, where teams stand as of today, because anything can change this weekend. And we've saw, we've seen that the past couple of years. Denver, Marquette. Oh, ho, ho. does Denver throw away the Big East t- championship again to Marquette this time in the first round once again? Or does Denver realizing, hey, we actually might have to need to win this game in order to be in the NCAA tournament, decides we'll just beat Marquette and we'll beat whoever wins Villanova Georgetown. We'll come that later. But right now, here's what I have in my latest Bracketology 4.0 titled, And Then What Happened? Shout out to Dinger on Twitter. Three days away, I think. Three? Am I right? Three days away. Today's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days away. What a time to be alive. Felt like the season has gone very, very fast. There are some teams here alive, especially in the uh, conference tournament. Teams like Furman, who probably wouldn't be in the tournament if they were not large. Probably, you know, 100% likely would not be. Marquette, uh, you have Penn on the borderline. You have Stony Brook. All these teams can certainly, is this their last push to possibly make and steal a bid this weekend, but they need to win their games first. So right now, my bracketology, I have the Maryland Terrapins as the one seed. They have the top RPI in the nation, and a lot of people have said RPI is uh, overrated. Probably is. Definitely is. Followed by the two seed Duke over Yale, the three seed. So the reason for that, and I was a little bit on the borderline of putting Yale two and Duke three, by the numbers, Duke has an RPI 5 and an SOS of 13. Yale has an RPI of 4 and a strength of schedule of 6. So why is Yale 3 and Duke 2? Well, you look at the top 1 to 20 um the top 1 to 20 wins for each of those teams. Duke is 4 and 3. Uh Yale is 3 and 2. Albany is their only top five win. Duke has a top five win over Notre Dame. Also lost there against, I believe it was Notre Dame. It was Notre Dame. But then 6-10, 3-0 against Denver, Loyola, Virginia. Definitely three teams in the tournament. Yale's 0-1, 11-20, beating Cornell and Penn, losing, I believe that was to Villanova. No, the Villanova was a 6-10. Yale being two and one. Oh, they lost to Bucknell. That's a, that's a loss. But Cornell and Penn borderline in the tournament. Duke Calvert's zero and two with losses to Cuse. And if I remember right, who was that other team? They lost to. Oh, Penn. Okay, Penn was the other team. So one of the most teams in the tournament. So I I gave Duke the two seed just because of that six to ten. Impressive wins over Denver, Loyola, Virginia, Yale. If they can win the uh, Ivy League, I would think they are going to move up to the two spot. But we'll have to find out. They play Penn. And hopefully they can beat Penn because I don't want to have any more discussion about Penn possibly in the tournament. Then maybe either Cornell or Brown. Number four. I have Albany, the America East champion. Five is Notre Dame, the ACC champion, but they don't get an automatic bid. Loyola six, 
Hopkins 7, and Denver 8. And now, that's would be the majority of the teams that have won a conference. Duke obviously did it. The only one that didn't win a conference in Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame, actually, Duke didn't win a conference. Notre Dame did, and Hopkins also did, but right now they are sitting 7. The 7 seed. I believe there are, well, obviously, the two worst conferences, Mack and the NEC, Quinnipiac and St. Joe's. By the way, St. Joe's. Keep keep an eye on the Hawks. They have a 31 RPI. Richmond has a 30 RPI. Maybe if St. Joe's impresses and Richmond falls or loses, you could see St. Joe's get the two seed. Not totally sure because if things stand, let's say St. Joe's has a better RPI than Richmond at the end of this weekend, and they both win their conference tournaments. Does a selection committee decide to keep Richmond there and save a flight? We're probably going to have three flights either way, or two. That's a question to discuss later once those uh, conferences are settled. But the the uh, the unseeded teams, it was a little bit tricky. I have two locks right now in Virginia, who did a good job getting in the ACC tournament and winning a game over Syracuse. And then also you have Villanova, who right now is is probably the or they're probably the two safest teams, but we discussed maybe a Nova loss to Georgetown that might shake a few things up. But right now I see them more on the safe side than out. Next tier is Syracuse. Uh, they did lose to Virginia. Uh, they lose to Colgate. I think they should be out. But this bubble's very, very bad this year, and I'll get to that shortly. Syracuse is probably the third best team out of the uh, the unseeded team. So I have, right now, out of those three teams, I have Virginia playing Denver. They are the ones to get the flight. Villanova battling Hopkins. And then Cuse battling Loyola. Now, it could easily be possible to have Villanova and Cuse switch. But I think right now... It should say the same, and it doesn't really matter either way because they would have to go to Maryland no matter what. Villanova cannot play Denver because Denver is a Big East team, and that's really the only problem we have with those between those three teams. And then finally, you have two teams with like four or five spots, or two spots for like four or five teams. Cornell, Bucknell, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Penn. Probably fighting for the two spots. Who would play either the number five seed Notre Dame and the four seed Albany. Number three, Yale would play UMass, the CAA champion. And number two, Duke would play the Richmond Spiders of the SoCon. As we mentioned, Quinnipiac, St. Joe's about playing in the playing game to play Maryland. This bubble sucks. Just want to get that off my chest. This bubble sucks this year. Syracuse is right near the bubble. But Rutgers with an RPI of 13 and a strength of schedule of 10. That looks great. That should get them in. But then you look at those top 5 and top 10 games. 0-2. Then you go to 11-22-1 through 22-1 with the wins over Syracuse and Penn State, who's probably not in the tournament. Then you have those losses. Army West Point at 40 RPI. That could go lower with Notre Dame's win over Army on Saturday, if they win. And then Princeton, not as bad now, but 
They're not in the Ivy League tournament at 26. Yeesh. They're fiddling around, and if they lose to Maryland, they might be done. Bucknell. Interesting case. RPI of 14, good. Strength of schedule, 28, not good. Wins over Yale and Loyola. Top 5 and top 10 teams. They went 0-2 against 11-20, through 20, but then you have ugly losses to Richmond in the beginning of the year and the end of the year to BU. So that BU loss, we all thought Bucknell's out. But with literally everybody losing last week except for Ohio State, who beat Rutgers, who was one of those bubble teams, maybe Bucknell's back in. Maybe right now, and that's what I have right now, Bucknell's back in the tournament and with Cornell. Uh, Bucknell can't really do anything except just sit back and hope for the best for their case. But that case kind of might be a little slim. They are 11-4. and four. They're just hoping that strength of schedule improves a lot somehow in some way from 28. If it goes down, that's not good. They don't want a team that a, with a 30-plus SOS in the tournament. The hottest team right now is Ohio State. 8-6, 15 RPI, 15 strength of schedule. They have that Maryland win. They did lose to Hopkins. They do play them tonight. A win there could probably get them in the NCAA tournament. But then they also have losses to Marquette, 23, who could win the Big East. They win the Big East again. That's another good win. That's a really good win. And then a Towson team that is also in the CAA tournament. So if those two teams somehow win their conference tournaments and Ohio State maybe wins a game, maybe even doesn't win a game, Maybe the Buckeyes do get in the tournament. They don't have to even win. Maybe they don't even win a game. And Marquette and Towson do their work. And Ohio State could see themselves joining them. But the other thing is, those two, well, at least one of those teams could be a uh, bracket stealer. uh, An at-large stealer. Bit stealer, that's what I meant. Bit stealer. Mainly Marquette. Cornell is another team, 10-4. and four. Jeff Teat, the god. 16 RPI, but an SOS of 22. But, they're 0-2 against top 5 teams. They were 1-0 against a top 10 team. They had Syracuse win, but that, that fell to 12. I don't think that will ever recover. But they are 3-0 against teams 11-20. through 20. But, and this is the but, Colgate lost 41 RPI. That could go down if they lose to Cuse. And then Princeton just this past weekend, which almost, which pretty much puts him right on the bad side of the bubble, good side, bad side, right on the border of that bubble. Navy could be knocking the door too, but I think they're out. Penn State is definitely out. But someone to maybe consider, maybe having a better bet than Navy, because they have a top 10 win, which Navy doesn't. And their losses are a little bit better. Robert Morris at 25, who's in, who's in the NEC in Michigan, who is just at the 21 point of the RPI. Between and Maryland Navy's losses are to Lehigh and Jacksonville. So the bubble right now is, I, I, I see it as five teams. In those two spots, Cornell would be playing Notre Dame. That's a flight. And Bucknell would play Albany in the four game. But certainly anything can change from now until the end 
of the weekend. And that will set us up for the conference tournament weekend, the final weekend before the NCAA tournament. Games start at noon today with one game, Quinnipiac against Canisius in the MAC semifinal, the first one, the one seed Quinnipiac, the four seed Canisius. That tournament is being held at Monmouth, who is the three seed. The two seed is Detroit Mercy. Those two teams play at three o'clock. All those games are on ESPN+. I see one bid there, and the winner will probably have to play in the playing game on Wednesday night, next Wednesday night, six days away from the first NCAA tournament game. Hooray! Very, very excited um, for that, but Quinnipiac... A nice bounce back year after a really bad year last year. And Safe probably cursed them picking uh, the Bobcats as the MAC winner last year and also ranking them at the beginning of the year. That was not good, and that happened this year with Binghamton. So if you're Binghamton, you're probably going to have a really good year next year if all goes to plan with what happened with Quinnipiac. But Canisius is a dangerous team despite being a four-seed. Connor Kiernan, probably the best attackman that in a smaller conference, and especially the smallest one that no one really knows about, the Mac. A stud of a player. And he was the offensive player of the year. Also a first team all Mac player. But he's got a lot of guys to face on Quinnipiac. Foster Cuomo is a first team all Mac. Also have on defense, Riley Palmer, the first-team all-defenseman. And then the short uh, LSM of Adam Bellamy and Fogo Rolvitelli. Brian Feldman's a good midfielder, all along with Matt Frost, Mike Ruan. And then Jake Tomsick, one of the better non-known freshmen on the Bobcats. So despite maybe Kiernan carrying the Canisius team, do they have a lot more than that? Not really, but... Kieran can do a really good job and carry his team on the back. Liam Gantorn had a down year this year, I'd say, for the Golden Griffins. But Canisius, I would, or excuse me, Quinnipiac, I'd say, would be the favorite to win this tournament. But don't, don't, for, don't count out Detroit Mercy. I really like their defense. Charlie Hayes is a very good short stick D midi. He should get some honorable mentions this year. Maybe even third team All American choices for All-American odds once the Final Four reaches us. Uh, you also have a good freshman goalie in Logan Shamblin from Detroit Mercy. A young freshman. He looks. He's a very skinny freshman, too. Brent Erskine at attack. Very young team. Matthew Vangelin, one of the better players on Detroit Mercy, Led the team last year in points as a freshman. Now he's a sophomore. Well, Kane is a good defenseman. I like this Detroit Mercy team a lot. I think they come out of the MAC with. I think I said Quinnipiac came coming out with the. The MAC. Um, I will go with uh, Detroit Mercy. I think I'm gonna go change my mind with Detroit Mercy. And this is the show where all opinions are final. Detroit Mercy will beat. Quinnipiac, I think Quinnipiac edges Canisius today. Detroit Mercy will beat Monmouth. 
think a lot of people are counting Monmouth out. Monmouth is that team that is being counted out, and we're talking about Kiernan, and we're talking about you know, Quinnipiac and their revival, and we're talking about Detroit Mercy and their good defense, but no one's talking about Monmouth. Their goalie, Noah Lode, a very good freshman goalie, replacing Nick Reshko. Not getting a lot of respect. Chris Hervada, a good defenseman for Monmouth. As well, and you have Bryce Wasserman, the only MAC player to be selected in the MLL draft. Only MAC player. Dylan Schulte, a very good midfielder. Garrett Pfeiffer, another good defenseman. All of them are first teamers. And then Greer Wilson, as a short stick, aids that defensive effort. Monmouth is still a good team, too. They just don't have a lot of guys we know except Washman and Schulte. But my money is on Detroit Mercy for this weekend. And they will still have to play Wednesday in the playing game. Moving on to, let's go to the NEC. Game start at 1 o'clock. St. Joseph hosts once again. They take on Sacred Heart at 1 o'clock on All Kill. 4 o'clock is Bryant, the 2-seed, playing Robert Morris, the 3-seed. Robert Morris was very close to hosting a conference game, but or actually the tournament, but they lost to St. Joe's last weekend, I think by a goal. So the Hawks, once again, back to St. Joe's form with the, ret- the return of Mike Restivo. St. Joe's returning their offense. Chris Blewett, very good attackman. Kyle Kane at midfield. And the guy that no one's really talking about, freshman-wise in goal, Mike Adler. Pretty much backstopping this team from, I think, the beginning of the season onward. He had a little bit of struggles. I think St. Joe's themselves had a uh, had a uh, identity, didn't have an identity in goal. I believe it was Pat Fallon, if I'm correct, starting in goal for the Hawks before Adler came in. Pat Dallin, all right, right. Pat Dallin came, well, started, was the starting goalie before Adler came in later on. And St. Joe's lost their first three games. They've won 10 straight. They have the nation's best winning streak, longest winning streak as we speak. But Sacred Heart has the MVP of the entire conference in Max Tuttleway. Very, very talented midfielder. Probably going to get some All-American odds this year. He should. Along with so Joe Sagisi and also Brooks Dutton, a very good sophomore goalie. Uh, didn't play in the NEC tournament last year, and it kind of derailed Secret Heart's chances. They lost to Hobart last year in the semifinal up in Hobart. Uh, St. Joe's mentioned very good attack. Restivo on a second team this year, not back 100% like he was when we saw him two years ago. But he's got a lot of talent behind him with Blewett and Kane. Hayes McGinley, also a second team, all NEC. And then Shane Fable coming out of nowhere late in the season. An attack for St. Joe's. Uh, I like this Hawk team. I also like Robert Morris. Very good, high-powered offense. They were in the top 20 for most of the season. They just got out of it lately, the past couple weeks. But Tyson Gibson... And, and uh, their defense of Zach Bryan and Zach Christensen. And their goalie, Alex Heger. All NDC first team goalie. And Bryan, by the way, was the defensive player of the year for the Colonials. 
playing against a team that is good on defense. And Bryant, very sound on defense. They don't score a lot. Uh, last time when they met in uh, in Pittsburgh and rural Pittsburgh, Bryant took home that win. We should have another victory there. But Bryant always loves to play their best in the NEC tournament. They did it last year. They were, I believe, the two seed playing Robert Morris. They beat them handedly, and then they beat Hobart to win the NEC tournament. And I would not be surprised if we see them again on the same stage uh, come Saturday on Hawk Hill, and maybe it is against St. Joe's or it's against Sacred Heart. But I am going to go with St. Joe's finally breaking their spell. I think St. Joe's will beat Robert Morris. Sacred Heart puts a fight in, and especially Max Tuttle carries the uh, Pioneer offense. But St. Joe's pulls that out. Finally, they get they break their spell. Mike Adler has a very good game in goal. Their winning streak extends to 12, and they win the NEC. And we move on to, we're going to skip the Big Ten for a minute. We're going to go to the America East. Albany should win this entire conference. I'm not sure why we're going to discuss it that much, but we love these teams. Albany, number one, Stony Brook. Number two, I think. Sounds like it. Stony Brook is the two seed. Vermont, the three seed. And then UMass Lowell, the four seed. Those games are on ESPN+. NEC is on NEC front row. Albany should beat UMass Lowell. By the way, shout out to the Hawks, River Hawks. I've been a big preacher of this. The four-year bump. Wasn't a noticeable bump, but UMass Lowell makes it their first ever America East tournament. They're playing some postseason lacrosse for the first time ever. Good for them. Seeing the guys like Will Podulski and uh, Sean Tyrell and Hunter Braun, a very good freshman goalie, I believe. He's a freshman goalie, if I am right. But Podulski, I believe, was on their uh, second team All-America East as an LSM. Podulski as an, yep, as a second teamer. Matt Balcher as an attackman, Sean Tyrell, two-thirds of their attack on the second team. And Hunter Braun, yes, freshman goalie, playing very, very well for the Riverhawks. Big turn for UMass Lowell in their fourth year. However, they are playing Albany. Uh, good luck to them because they will need it. Albany should move on there. Stony Brook, Vermont, I love Vermont. I think everyone loves Vermont. They've been ranked for most of the season. I don't think they're ranked right now. Does it really matter? No, because they're probably not going to get an even with a win and then losing to Albany. They need to win this tournament. Uh, Ian McKay, we all know about him. First team all AE midfielder. Nobody won any of the individual honors because they all went to Albany players. Defensively, sound defense led by Warren Jeffrey, and you even have James Leary on the pole. Uh, Mark Marciano, a second team All-AE at the short stick position. Rob Hudson, good midfielder as well. And Liam Limoges, a one of the better talented attackmen on the Catamounts. And also Nick Rashuda in goal. A good guy in Nick Rashuda. I believe he was a AE rookie pick last year. Now moves up to the second team behind J.D. Colarusso. Maybe if you didn't have a lot of uh, talented players in Albany, maybe this could have been a better year for Vermont competition-wise in the AE. 
but I think they will make it to the championship game. And I will go with Albany easy to win the America East Conference. Let's let's go back to the Big Ten, because I feel bad for skipping over the Big Ten. The God Conference, pushing their times back an hour from 5 and 7.30 to now 4 and 6.30 due to inclement weather up in Ann Arbor. It is a win for everybody. Maryland Rutgers gets things started at 4, followed by Hopkins and Ohio State at 6.30. And boy, will this be a fun, fun, fun tournament. All four teams could easily win this tournament. Now, Maryland and Hopkins are in. Rutgers is not in. Ohio State is not in, even though some people think they are currently in. Should they be in? No, not yet. If they win, should they be in? Yes. And I'm a little bit hesitant because will they be able to to stand out from the other bubble teams, Cornell and Bucknell and a few others? I think out of these, the two bubble teams, Ohio State can beat Johns Hopkins, and they have played like they are going to beat Johns Hopkins. We'll have to see how the status of Shaq Stanwick is. I would love to see another Hopkins-Ireland rematch a week later, but again, how is Shaq Stanwick? He toughened out a very tough injury, it seemed, from last week, and Dave Patramala made everybody know that he is not a wimp. And he definitely isn't a wimp if we've heard what we've heard is true. Uh, I'm going to go Maryland over Rutgers. Rutgers is done again. I'm going to go Ohio State over Johns Hopkins. And I think this is the final meeting of Ohio State and Maryland this year. But I think Ohio State beats Maryland. And they get in. They are riding very, very hot. They do not get an at-large. I mean, they do not get a home game. They are not seated, however. Ohio State, but you maybe you might see them play Denver if Denver wins a Big East, and it's Denver, Ohio State, and that saves a lot of people from flying out west, like Virginia or Accuse or another team out east, and flying all the way to Denver. So that's the Big Ten, and that might be the best conference to watch this weekend. Moving on to the, we'll go to the Big East now too. Big Ten and then Big East. Denver playing Marquette. We've heard the story before in the tournament. Marquette has won the past two meetings. Pretty much maybe Beltieri might have thrown those games away. But let's say he did it. I don't think he did. Denver needs to win this game. And maybe not for the the home game. And that's maybe the last thing on Beltieri's mind. But. Maybe even to just get in. But the bubble's so bad, they should be fine. If the bubble wasn't bad, they probably would be be in big trouble. I still think Denver beats Marquette. John Wagner uh, needs to be shut down. That's going to be the big key for Denver, to shut down John Wagner. The thing is, as well, Sean Mayall is out for Denver. Now, it might not be big for the first game, the second game, if... They play Villanova might be big. And Villanova does play Georgetown at 7 o'clock. And Villanova. And the Hoyas do not have Dano Brocaro. Is this the time that Villanova takes advantage of those two big injuries and wins a Big East AQ and definitely asserts their spot in the NCAA tournament? Even if Nova wins one game, they should be fine. 
They lose to Georgetown. Now you're fiddling with uh, disaster as well. Uh, but I think I'm going to go in this one. I think Villanova beats Georgetown. Denver beats Marquette. Villanova beats Denver. But Denver still is in the tournament. Villanova, I think, gets the final home uh, the final seed in the tournament. They get a home game, and they might play a team like maybe Virginia or Syracuse, maybe. CAA at 5 o'clock on the only, by the way, the only uh, channel that will make you have to pay. Actually, also ESPN Plus does too. But before ESPN Plus happened, uh, LSN, who probably produces better college games than they do pro games. UMass, one seed. Hofstra, four seed. Towson, the two seed against Delaware, the three seed. Uh, Hofstra is somehow the four seed. They should collapse again like they always do, but if they don't, that's a surprise. UMass should beat them, and I think Towson, Delaware will be a fun game. Delaware is a good offense, uh, but how strong is Natalin's death grip even without Mazza and Sid Ewell? We'll have to find out, but Shane Brown is a very good goalie. He's played out of his mind for the majority of the year, except the Hopkins game. Uh, but I think something changes there. In the end, UMass will beat Delaware to win the CAA. Delaware uh, Delaware wins this game. I think this is a changing of the guard, that maybe Delaware might be back as a kind of lacrosse power or rising sleeping giant that many have said that there, that was happening. A CAA title definitely would bring big things to the first state and the tax-free state. And Ben DeLuca and his first year would be a very big accomplishment. Uh, SoCon. I think that's it, right? SoCon? And we're done for the day? Yes, SoCon. Richmond Furman. High Point Jacksonville. Richmond looks like the the favorite. Furman is under 500. High Point, I believe, is also under 500. And Jacksonville, shout out to Lax904 in this week in North Florida Lacrosse. I've been on there twice. Some kind of a big deal. High Point is actually also under 500. Jacksonville is above 500, I believe, if I'm correct. I think I am wrong. But the week, maybe the weakest conference, the second weakest conference behind the MAC. And again, it'll be a very competitive one. Jacksonville, maybe Jacksonville's actually over 507 and 6. I don't know who could win this. I think you have four, four, two, four teams could win. Furman could even win this. They've beaten Richmond early in the year. Furman could upset Richmond again, somehow win the, the SOCON, and be the only under 500 team in the in the tournament. Jacksonville could win it. They have some good guys in Hunter Forbes and Hunter Selzingal, Eric Applegate, McLean Chickwin. High point has Ash Knowlton, the only player to win the SoCon Offensive Player of the Year and Rookie of the Year. And he's one of the better, probably top five freshmen, top three. You have him, Chris Gray of BU, and probably thrown to Hoka. Chris Fake, Fakey might, or Chris Fake, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Chris Fake. Definitely up for that conversation. And there's somebody I'm missing. Maybe George Bonin. Maybe top 10. Matt Moore. 
ACC doesn't have a lot of stud freshmen. They have some good freshmen. Not I don't think studs yet. Matt Moore might be the best one. Brett Kennedy has some uh, thoughts about that too. But this is wide open as well. I'm going to go Richmond beating Furman. Jacksonville over High Point and I'm going to I think just the experience will have Richmond beating Jacksonville in the SoCon final. But hey, big steps for North Florida and if Jacksonville wins, Ray Carnicelli, relax 9 4, hook me up. We'll talk about it and more bracketology on uh 1010XL if you want. Maybe he gets on the sh- on the on our podcast for a little bit and talks about the uh the scene of lacrosse in North Florida. Former Auburn Maroon, by the way, up in central New York. Probably enjoying the weather up down there and gave some of that to us in Cuse. So that'll be it. My plan is, since we haven't had a lot of podcasts, to record as many as we can this weekend. So maybe a reaction one tonight leading up to Friday's previews. Same thing Friday night leading up to Saturday's games. Saturday recaps leading up to Sunday's games. And then Sunday quickie maybe leading up to our live show on selection Sunday on Facebook on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash college cross that is it for hopefully is our one of four podcasts this weekend on ACL and we hope that you enjoy the weather we hope that you enjoy the lacrosse and because it's warm and hot stay hydrated out there everybody bye Felicia